ready to get into today's message. It is the first Sunday of 2021, and I've been hearing a lot from a lot of different places and a lot of different angles. Boy, I sure hope 2021 is better than 2020 was. Anybody say that? Anybody hear that? Boy, I sure hope 2021 is better than 2020 was. And somehow, for some people, they thought well, that when we hit midnight of 2020, everything was going to change, and then they woke up 2021 morning, and it's like, well, everything's the same as it was yesterday. So uh, what do we do? Here's the good news, guys. When you say, I hope 2021 is better, the good news is that's God's plans too. That's God's plans too. So look at Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. If you've been in church world very long, you probably know this verse. It's a favorite verse for an awful lot of folks, but let's look at it. I want you to understand a little bit more about it perhaps than you have in the past. Here we go. For I know the plans, read it with me. For I know the plans, read it with me out loud. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If you're taking notes today, I want you to circle that word hope. If you don't have access to that, go to the Bridge app and pull up the notes that are there and save it to your journal. You can take your own notes digitally right there, but some of you are sitting out there pen and paper right now taking notes. That word hope is the word that I want to ping off of this morning. So what are the two elements in the verse? Go back to the verse. What are the two elements? First of all, what's God's plan for our life? It's not to harm us, it's to prosper us, and two, it's to give us hope for the future. That, that's God's plan for all of our lives. Now, here's where the problem comes in, and that is the use of the word hope. You, you tell me if it's true. Most of the time when we say, I hope so-and-so happens, what we actually mean is, I want it to happen, but I don't think it's going to. If we say, for instance, I sure hope it rains today, we need the water, what are you saying? You're saying, we need water, but I don't think it's going to rain, right? If you say, I sure hope Uncle Joe comes to the Christmas dinner, what are you saying? He never comes. He probably ain't going to come this year. I wish he would come. It's kind of wish as opposed to the word hope. But in the Bible, when you read the word hope, that's not what it means. It doesn't convey doubt. It conveys confidence. You see, our hope is in the coming of Jesus Christ. That's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's already happened. It's not whether it's a historical fact or not. It happened with thousands of 500 witnesses saw him in person and thousands more millions more have witnessed his presence since then hope in the bible is a totally different thing than the way we typically say the word hope so let's go back to our phrase that i've been hearing a lot i may have said it myself i sure hope 2021 is a better year than 2020 was what are we saying if we're not careful, if we're not conscious, we're saying, I don't think it's going to be any better. I just wish it was. Well, I'm here to tell you as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be saying, I, capital H, hope 2021 is going to be a better year than 2020. Come on. I hope 2021 is going to be a better year than 2020 has been, and that is God's plan for your life. The question then is how do we get, can, I, can you track with me if I call it lowercase, lowercase hope and, and all caps hope? 
Just call it that. So lowercase hope is the kind that we use typically in the world. And capital H or all caps hope is the kind that the Bible talks about. So can we use that expression? Do you guys like this if you're with me? Because I don't want to lose you, okay? We're going to use that throughout the scriptures today and throughout the, the message today. I want to show you God's process for helping us to establish all caps hope. I want to show you in Scripture. It may surprise some of you, but I want to lay it out for you very clearly and succinctly. God has created a four-stage, call it an assembly line if you want to, but a four-stage process by which we become a people of capital H hope. Before we do that, I want to show you some of the benefits of doing that journey. Have you ever gone on a difficult journey and, 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 and you didn't remember why you were doing it and it got hard and you quit? But on other occasions, you know why you're doing it. And when it gets hard, yeah, but I remember why I'm doing this. So let me give you the why you're going to go down this journey. And then we'll talk about the journey itself. Is that worth a few minutes of our time this morning? Good. Thank you for saying yes. There are four things that I can think of immediately that happens when I have this all caps hope. When I have all caps hope, I can get started. I can get started. I've heard it said that people are a lot like some cars. You know, they may look great on the outside. They may actually have a great engine, but if the starter's broke, they ain't going nowhere. And we all know some people, don't look at them, don't throw it. This is a no elbow throwing zone. We're not allowed to do that here. We, we, we just, you know, we look good. We're, we're, we got all kinds of abilities and capabilities, but our starter's broke. And so we tend to, we get this kind of hopelessness that says, oh man, I wish it was better, but it's not. What's the point? Nothing ever works out for me anyway. And so the result is we, we don't even try. And if that's what you're thinking, here's your verse, Isaiah 40, 31, those who, what's the word? Those who hope in the Lord. Now, some of you read other translations. I read lots of different translations. And in, in other translations, you may see the word wait, those who wait in the Lord. You know why sometimes it's hope and sometimes it's wait? Because the Hebrew word is kavah that carries with it to wait expectantly. So you could use hope or wait, doesn't matter which word. It's the idea that I know something's about to happen and I can't hurry wait. It's about to, it's already been birthed in my spirit and I'm going to see it birthed in reality. That, that's, the, that's the idea of Isaiah 40. Those who hope, wait in the Lord will renew their strength. In other words, strength doesn't come from realizing your hope. It comes from the hope itself, Right? Those people who have that hope, not those for whom everything worked out, those who have that hope, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So whatever level you happen to be on, if you're already flying, you can soar. And if you're already running, you can, you can get your personal best, run the fastest you ever have. And if it's all you can do to put one foot in front of the other, you can keep putting one foot in front of the other. When you have this all caps hope that we're talking about. When I have hope, I can get started. When I have hope, I can live with fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're dealing with. Oh, all of us living in this sin-cursed world, we got stuff that's loaded us down, but I need you to hear me say God's created us with this incredible capacity to, to, to deal with pressures. I mean, you can make it through anything that's thrown at you as long as you have all caps hope. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, my hero, no doubt, 
uh, wrote half the New Testament, if you count by word. He started most of the churches in, in Asia Minor that ultimately became the Gentile church for which we are all, if not all, most are a part of. In case you're thinking that he was Superman that lived an idyllic life, that's not the case. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, Paul said, we had great burdens there that were beyond our own strength. We even gave up hope of living, he says. Some of you can relate to those words. The question is, why, why did God allow this amazing Christian to have to deal with that? And the answer is in the rest of the passage. He goes on to say, this happened so that we would not trust in ourselves, but trust in God. Even when Paul wondered if he would survive what he was going through, shipwrecks and being beaten and snake bitten and all the things that he endured, he remembered that God had a plan for him and the plan was to prosper him, not harm him, and to give him hope and a future. And he was able to trust God and his plan for him no matter what he faced. When I have hope, all caps, hope, I can get started, I can deal with whatever this sin-cursed world throws at me. Number three, when I have hope, I can keep going. Hope gives you the strength to keep going even when you don't feel like you, you can. The, the name Florence Chadwick probably doesn't mean anything to you guys, I, and I don't know much about her other than what I read uh, in history, but uh, she was the first woman to ever swim the English Channel. It's about 21-mile journey, I'm told. And, and on July 4th, 1951, she decided that she would swim from Catalina Island to the California coast, which is about 22 miles, but it's much colder waters and much more shark-infested kinds of waters. So it's a little bit bigger challenge, certainly a more daunting challenge. And so she she's made the attempt to swim it. Uh, the problem is that before she got to the coast, the fog rolled in and she could no longer see the coastline and she ran out of steam and, and quit a half a mile from land. Later, she was quoted as saying, if I'd known land was so close, I could have made it. Later on, she tried again, but this time she took spotters with her and uh, not only did she make it because spotters could tell her how close she was, but she broke the mail record by two hours. A lot of us are kind of like that. It's taking longer than I thought to get through this. It's taking longer than I thought to deal with that. It's harder than I expected it to be to get through this. And everything in you says, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm going to quit. When the fog of hopelessness washes over you, this is never going to be over. That light at the end of the tunnel is not the end. It's a train and it's coming. Oftentimes, that hopelessness overtakes you just before you hit land. The hour is darkest just before the dawn, but joy comes in the morning, the psalmist wrote. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, I like the way the Living Bible paraphrases it. So be truly glad there's a wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. Did Peter know about COVID-19? Did he, did, did, when he wrote that, I, when I have hope, I... I can get started. When I have hope, all caps hope, I can live with whatever pressures I'm living under. When I have hope, I can keep going. And ultimately, when I have hope, I can even slow down a little bit. Let me explain that one. 
when I believe God has hope in a future for me, I'm actually able to take a breath, assess what's really important, and let the rest go. But when I think I have to make it happen, lean in, guys. When I think I have to be the one to do it, and that, that it ain't going to happen if I don't force my way through it, what do I do? I, I rush. I push. I try harder. I can make it happen. I can make it happen. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And the rush keeps that all caps hope just out of reach all the time. Kind of like, like going to an event when you realize that you're not sure of the way. And, uh, and the event uh, preceded having GPS in your car and, uh, and you're running too late to stop for directions. And so what do you do? You speed up. You just drive a little faster and, and you're hoping that, that you're going to get there. It's, it's the lowercase hope. It's not the uppercase hope. And you're driving faster and faster and, and looking and hoping that you're getting there until you, you get to going so fast a policeman stops you and now you're really late. Not that I'm actually talking about any kind of event that ever happened in my life or anything like that. Kim's sitting there looking at me like, like uh, yeah, it was not unusual. GPS saved my life. Not unusual for me to get in the car and say, where am I going again? <laughs> but we do that in life sometimes. We lose hope in the idea that God has a bright future for us. We stop reading our GPS, which is the Word of God, the Bible. We stop asking Him and and wise godly counselors for direction. We, so we start going faster and faster and working harder and harder, thinking that we can make it happen. We don't know where we're headed, but we're making good time. Life becomes this kind of crazy, hectic thing that we're not even sure where we're going to end up. Kind of like the grandchild who was spending the day with her grandma and, uh, and they were hanging clothes up in the closet and the, and the grandchild held up the hanger and said, uh, Grandma, we, we don't have any of these at my house. And, and Grandma said, well, well, where do you put your clean clothes until you wear them? The girl said, the dryer. <laughs> A little nervous laughter across the room. <laughs> Psalm 62, verse 5, I find rest in God, only he gives me hope. There is a profound and eternal connection between the word rest and all caps hope. Got it? Got it? Do I need to explain it some more? <laughs> They're connected. So that's so cool, Pastor Jim. That's, that, that, that's cool, but, but <laughs> uh, that's not where I am. How, 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 do you, how do you get there? I'd like to be able to, to, to get started. I'd like to be able to keep going when life gets tough. I, I'd like to actually be able to slow down and smell the roses once in a while. How, how do I become this all caps hopeful kind of person? I'm so glad you asked because I'd have to let you go now and I'm not done talking. But the, the, the Bible gives us the answer to that question lays it out very succinctly. In fact, God has created a, I'll call it a four-station assembly line. If you want to give it the kind of a word picture idea, this assembly line that ends up with you being a hopeful person lays it out in a single passage of Scripture. And that's what I want to spend the rest of our time on this morning is unpacking that passage of Scripture. We know why we should go through this journey. Now, let's look at the journey itself. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. You can look it up in your Bible. 
Bible. You can go to the Bridge NC app or we'll put it on the screens. You can read it there. Here we go. I want you to read it out loud with me. I want you to hear yourself reading it. We're going to break it down. Here we go. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us and why doesn't hope all caps hope disappoint us because when we have it we can get started we can keep going we can deal with whatever pressures life throws at us we can even slow down and smell the roses now did I mention that there may be some parts of the assembly line that you won't particularly like did did I mention that it's in there I'll be honest, if I had created a four-stage process to make you a hopeful person, it probably would be something like, okay, get in a, get in a plane and fly to, uh, to the Bahamas and chill out for a week and take a hope pill and come back and be a hopeful person. That, that's kind of how I would have done it, but I'm not God. He is, and he knows what he's doing, so let's break it down. Romans chapter 5, verse 4, let's get to know God's process, and I hope this is not one of those manna from heaven sermons that I talk about sometimes. Manna came fresh every day and it rotted after 24 hours. This is one you probably need to hang on to through 2021, okay? Station one in the assembly line, you ready for it? Is get a problem. That's station one, get a problem. Anybody here got a problem? Anybody? Anybody got a problem? You guys got no problems whatsoever? You're just too cool to raise your hand in church. Anybody got a problem in the house? Guess what? Congratulations. You're a quarter of the way to being a hopeful person already. Because <laughs> that's, that's the first step. When you say, I hope 2021 is a better year than 2020, God's saying, hey, that's my plan too. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have some difficulties. That doesn't mean that you're not going to face any problems. In fact, it means that you will have problems because that's part of the process. It's the beginning of the journey. Now, why why in the world did God, who loves us supremely, choose that as step one? And the answer is simple. This is earth. It's not heaven. We aren't there yet. We're in a sin-cursed world, and Satan is the prince of the power of the air, and he can manipulate circumstances. Now, he has no authority in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ except that which you give him, but he can manipulate circumstances around you and he will and he does. As long as we live here, three things are gonna be true. I don't wanna be discouraging to you, but I gotta, you, we gotta deal with the realities of this. Number one, problems are inevitable. Say it with me, problems are inevitable. Our natural tendency when problems come is to say, why me? And, and the, the better question is, why not me? Everybody else has to go through tough times. Why, why not me? And we all have to deal with this stuff. Why should I be exempt when everybody else in? If God didn't hold back the death on the cross for his son, why would he hold back problems for us? Rather, he uses it for good in our lives. The second thing you need to know about problems is that they usually come unexpectedly. It's not like you're prepared for them and and you just kind of roll with it. Most of the time, they take us by surprise. Am I right? It's just this sudden kind of boom, there it is. Sometimes you can see it coming and prepare for it, but most of the time it's like, whoa, man, I didn't see that coming. They throw us for a loop about the time we relax out of nowhere. Bam, here it is. The third truth is that problems are used by God to develop us. God never wastes to hurt 
So he uses the problems that are an inevitable part of living in a sin-cursed world. He uses them for good in our lives. So think about that one for a moment with me, okay? When somebody comes to us as Christians with a problem and they kind of pour it out on us and we want to help them and we want to help them feel better, what do we often find ourselves saying? Think about it for a minute. What do we often say? It'll be all right. It'll work out. The problem is, based on what they're hoping for, it doesn't always work out. It isn't always what they hoped it would be. And so the result is when you tell them that as a Christian that they look to for advice and that it doesn't work out the way they hoped it would work out, what does that do? It creates a hopelessness. And a well-meaning attempt to make them feel better ultimately doesn't help them. So if you really want to help folks when they come to you with a problem, the, the question that you say is, okay, God loves you more than you can even imagine. And he has this amazing way of working everything to a pattern for good in your life. So instead of saying, why me, Lord? What if we started saying, Lord, show me what you want to teach me through this. Show me how you want to develop me through this. Show me how you want to use this for my good. Show me how I can cooperate with what you're doing. Remember, his plan is not to harm you. It's to prosper you. It's to give you a bright future. And just because you've got some problems doesn't change his plan because God doesn't have a plan B. He's only got a plan A. So we just say, okay, what if we just start saying what instead of why? God, what are you trying to teach us? Stage one, station one in the assembly line is get a problem. Everybody with me? You're already on station one. You ready for station two? Are you out there? Are you awake? Station two is practice patience. Oh, Jim, this is the most (laughs) discouraging sermon you've ever brought. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, guys. Go back to Romans 5, 4. What did it say? We rejoice because we know sufferings produces perseverance. That may not be a word you used yesterday in common conversation. It just means patience. It's a Bible word for for patience. Hear me. Growth and development requires time. Maturity is like grapes. They ripen slowly. There's a reason Jesus used that illustration in John 15 of grapes because they ripen slowly and they ripen at the same pace in 2021 as they did when he said it 2,000 years ago. And so, you know, if problems alone would help us to grow and mature, we'd all be as mature as Jesus right now. So it takes problems and patience. So let me ask you a couple of questions, okay? Yeah, why is, why is, is patience so critical to this assembly line? A- anybody know? I think the answer is because it takes time for problems to be solved. It takes time for coal to be put under pressure to become a diamond. It takes time, and so we've got to be patient with the process. We've got to be uh, patient with the journey. If, you're, if your goal is to be an all-caps hopeful person, you've got to be patient. Second question is, how do we naturally approach our problems? Well, traditionally, we do one of two things. We, we, we either try to run from our problems, try to get as far away from them as we can, that approach you know, it, it gets us to where we're just kind of ignoring it. 
But hear me, if every problem is God's way of helping to mature us, then every storm is a, is a school and every uh, a school teaches lessons and every test is an opportunity to learn whether you learned the lesson or not. And here's, here's how much your God loves you. He loves you so much he wants you to pass the test because at the end of the day, it's your character that goes into eternity, not your comfort. Hello? Comfort doesn't go into eternity, your character does. And he said, if you'll be faithful in a few things, I'll make you ruler of many things. So track with me here. If God's goal for your life is to develop Christ-like character in your life and problems is one of the ways that he does that, then, and you fail the test, you don't learn the lesson, guess what he'll do? You get to take the test again. Different names, different places, different people, but he will give you the test again. You get a retake and a retake and a retake until you finally learn what the lesson was that he allowed the problem to come into your life to begin with. And so let me make it practical. This marriage is too hard. These problems are too severe. I am out of here. Guess what? Odds are 79% of people who get divorced get married again. Odds are you're going to get married again and the same problems are going to crop up. Only this time you're in a second marriage trying to work it out. This job is too hard. These people are too mean. I'm so frustrated. I can't work here anymore. Well, maybe God's releasing you, but if he hasn't released you from that job, understand that you're just going to go to another job, and he's going to put you in a similar situation to try to teach you what he was trying to teach you in the first job. Is this making sense? I've had people say to me, I'm, I, I'm leaving this church. There's just too many of this or that or the other thing. I'm just going to go find another church. And you know what my answer has been to them over the years? It's been okay. I, 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 just stop for a minute. Are you telling me that God has taught you everything he wanted to teach you at this church and now he's ready to move you on to the next one to teach you something else? If that's what you're saying, I release you in Jesus' name. But if you're telling me I'm leaving out of frustration, then you're bound in Jesus' name. You'll, you'll never get away from this until you learn what God is trying to teach you. So when you find yourself facing problems in life, guys, don't run from them, address them. Deal with them because otherwise you get to take the test again. The other thing we often do is we try to hide from them. We kind of pretend they, they don't exist. We have this incredible ability to rationalize. You know what it means to rationalize, don't you? It's to tell ourselves rational lies. And we have an amazing ability to lie to ourselves. What problem? I don't have a problem. It's got a problem. There's no problem here. So we try to hide. That's been one of my favorite tactics through the years that I've had to learn the hard ways is just pretend it's okay. It'll, finally, it'll work out. It'll work out. Well, maybe, but maybe you're missing a life lesson that God's trying to teach you. God says, don't run, don't hide. Practice patience. Romans 8.25, if, if we must keep trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet, it teaches us to do what? to wait patiently and confidently. You know what that says to me? It says patience comes from trust, trusting that God is still in control, even when we don't understand the circumstances that we're facing. Patience comes from trust. You know why it's getting so hard to be patient these days? 
I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it seems to me like America, uh, Americans are more impatient than we've ever been in our lives. We, we don't have the patience to wait in line anywhere. We don't have the patience for a car to, to merge on, on the bypass. We don't have the patience to wait for nothing. We want it all. We've become an instant society. You know, we put a Danish in the microwave for 15 seconds and start thumbing our fingers going, come on, come on, come on, let's go. We've just become an incredibly impatient kind of society. I think it's because there's so little trust in America. I, I think those things are connected. 30 years ago, the majority believed that most people could be trusted. You gave trust, and only after it was damaged did you get guarded. But now, trust has to be earned up front. Three-quarters of Americans believe the federal government could be trusted. I read a survey most of the time 30 years ago. I thought you'd laugh at that one. <laughs> I read a Washington, Washington Post survey last year that says 66% of Americans now believe that most people can't be trusted. 50% said they would cheat if they could get away with it. No wonder they can't be trusted. And less than 25% of Americans think the government can be trusted. And the result is that that lack of trust has kicked the hope right out of us. The question, who, who can we trust? Where do we go to rebuild trust? Romans chapter 15, verse four tells us, come on, I want you to read it with me out loud. The scriptures give us patience and encouragement so that we can have hope. This is huge, huge, huge. This is huge. If you went to brunch in your mind, come back. If you got up on your living room couch and went to get a cup of coffee, rush on back because you need to hear this. This is, this is huge. Simply put, trust is always built on truth. In human relationships, Trust is built when we tell each other the truth. You can never build trust on a lie. You can't. Can't doesn't happen. Trust is built on truth. The one constant source of truth is the Bible, the Word of God. It's the one document that stood the test of time since the beginning of time. So the more time I spend in the Word, the more I rebuild trust in my life the more I get uppercase hope in my life. Do you, did you track that? The more time I spend in the word, the more I rebuild trust, the more hope I become. Let me put it this way. When you're hungry and you need food, what do you do? Somebody say eat, eat, okay? When you're tired and you need rest, what do you do? Somebody say sleep. Sleep. When, when you feel hopeless and you need hope, what do you do? Read the Bible. Because trust is built on truth and the word of God is true. Me. Hear me, guys. Trust has not broken down in our culture and in our society because people are less trustworthy than they used to be. People have always been selfish. Since Adam and Eve in the garden lusted after power and knowledge, people have always been selfish. Trust is broken down because we've stopped putting our trust in the word of God, the Bible. And if we want it back, if we want hope back, the answer 
is one source of absolute truth. It is the Word of God. In other words, hope won't come to you when you finally find the right political leader. Hope won't come to you when you find a preacher that, that, uh, that you trust and that you like who won't disappoint you. It won't come. Doesn't happen. Hope will come to you when you start basing your life in the truth of God's Word. That's why a huge emphasis, and we'll talk a lot more about it during the course of the month, but a huge emphasis for 2021 and beyond in our church is what we're, gonna, what we're calling the growth track. And we're, we've created a curriculum that's going to help you go all the way from the foundational basis of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What are the initial things you need to do as a follower of Christ? Some of you have been Christians for 20, 30 years. You need to go through the growth track and make sure you've got the biblical basis for why you do what you do. And, and then it moves from there. What does it mean to become mature in Christ? And what's the journey for that? From there, it moves into understanding the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, the Trinity and what he does in your life. And then you see so you got track one is a one-year process. And then track two is a one-year process. And track three is a one-year process. And it's all happening through our bridge groups. So in February, there'll be two of our bridge groups. Many of our bridge groups are doing the same things they've always been doing. They're going to do marriage studies, and I was broken, now I'm not. And you can go, as Pastor Andy said this morning, go to the catalog, and it's available online now. You can see all the topics that are there. But the growth track is going to be one of those options, and we're going to offer two growth track bridge groups this season. I'm going to do one of them. Pastor Andy's going to do the other one. And we're going to start walking our people through this journey of systematically getting established with the Word of God as the foundation of their lives. And I would challenge you, I would beg you to take advantage of that opportunity. Get in the growth track. At the end of every year, we'll celebrate everybody who graduated from this year's track one of the growth track. At the end of the year, we'll, next year, we'll celebrate everybody who finished track two and everybody who finished track one. This is going to be a huge part of our church family. Why? Because trust is always built on truth, and the only source of truth is the Word of God, the Bible. The bottom line is, and i got to move on, is you will continue to struggle to practice patience until you put your trust in something that never changes. When you do, you're ready for station three in the assembly line, and we'll do three and four a little more quickly. I wanted to make sure you got one and two down. Station three is you got to develop character develop character. God starts to change you. When you start to see your problems through a different lens, when you start to practice patience, dealing with the problems that are an inevitable part of living in a sin-cursed world, understand that God works everything into a pattern for good, and it's all designed to develop your character. You start working through that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that you then begin to, to be changed, transformed by the repatterning of your thinking. Character begins to develop. James 1, 4, don't try to squirm out of your problems, for when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. Can I just describe my journey with this? Maybe it'll, maybe it'll give you a context for it. Um, I have no means arrived, but here's my journey. I, I, can, I can think back over the years and see it. First step in the journey when I first came to Christ, when I got a problem, I would think, wait a minute, I'm a Christian now. 
I thought it was going to be tiptoeing through the tulips from now on. I thought it was going to be rosy from now on. I'm a follower of Jesus now. I'm not supposed to have any problems. And so my prayer would become, God, what's wrong? What, did I do something wrong? Are you trying to get me back for something that I failed to do? What are you doing to me? This isn't fair. That was the early days of my Christian experience. Some of you may be there right now. Hear me. God doesn't care where you are on your journey. He only cares about the direction of your feet. Got it? In time, as I began to learn the word, began to grow in my trust in the word, I'd get a problem and I would think, Satan, what are you trying to do to me? I hate you. And I would actually glorify him for doing a good job at his job. And I pray, God, please stop Satan from bothering me so much. I finally learned that prayer doesn't work because he ain't stopped yet. <laughs> In fact, the more we accomplish for God, the more Satan says, hmm, I'm going after that one. That's just the nature of war. Now, as I've matured some in Christ, I get a problem and I think, I hate problems. But God is good. And he has a way of using these things for good in my life. So my prayer becomes, okay, God, I, I see this. I don't like this, but how do you want to use this? for good in my life, to develop character in me, and ultimately to use this to bless the people that are around me. Wait a minute, Pastor Jim, are, are, are you saying that, uh, that, that character emerges out of the fire? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. In fact, you find somebody with strong character, and I guarantee you they've had real problems in their lives. They've learned to be patient in the face of them. The result is, in having endured great trials, they've developed great character refined as gold in the purifiers, refiners, fire. Can I, can I just tell you at the risk of getting hyper-spiritual that 2020 has been a refiner's fire year for the bridge? It's put us all in the position to say, God, I don't like what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how long this is going to go on. I don't know if I even believe it or not. Then somebody gets sick and we believe it now. And it's just this kind of journey that we've been on. And the more we've trusted that God is in charge and God is on the throne and God's word is true, regardless of circumstances, the more he's developed our character and the more he's working. And yes, there are some who run from the fire, but those who will go through the fire with trust, develop character, which leads us to the final stage, station four of God's assembly line. And I called it, for sake of your notes, rely on Jesus but it's, it's a little more, rely is probably not the right word to use. It's more lean into Jesus. It's more get hungry for a deeper relationship with Jesus. It's, it's more pray for intimacy with God so that you're dependent on him, so that your life becomes Christ-centric. I had the honor of doing a funeral yesterday in Virginia. Many of you were here on Veterans Day, General Boykin that spoke to us, his mother passed, and I had the honor of doing her service yesterday, and they told us she was 91 when she died, and, and, the, and they told me that, that at the end of her life, she had three possessions, three simple possessions. She had her glasses, she had her Bible, and she had a photo album of her family. That's all she wanted. 
That's all she needed. She'd come to rely on the word of God. First Peter chapter one, verse three, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. What? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living, all caps, hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you want us to finish, you're going to have to say it with me because I ain't going to move on until you do. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hear me, guys. The word hope is only found one time in the New Testament before the resurrection, and it's found 70 times after the resurrection. Doesn't take a genius to figure out where hope comes from. Here's what I want you to catch, and I'll hush. I see the clock. I've gone on. Sorry, I hope you get this. This is huge foundations for the year. Hope was born on the heels of an earthquake and the sky going black and death on a cross. Exploded on the world in the face of a resurrection and new life. Hope starts at the darkest places of our lives. Some of you need to hear that right now as you say, I hope 2021 is a better year than 2020 was. It starts, it's born in the darkest hours of our lives. It explodes when we focus on the resurrection, Jesus Christ. We focus on the reality that he's not dead He's alive. We focus on the reality that we can have a personal, intimate relationship with him. I'll close with this. We all love Jeremiah 29, 11, for God has given us this hope of a bright future. We love that. Come to prosper you, not bless you. But all too often we skip verses 12 and 13. I didn't put it on the screen. You can look it up later and read it, but let me just read it to you. When you will call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The secret to all caps hope is intimacy with Jesus Christ. Putting him first in your life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, you know everyone here. You know what's going on. The people that are watching online, you know what's going on in all of our respective lives. And we all have circumstances in light of a pandemic and economic pressures that are associated with it. And all the things that we're dealing with, you, you know what they are, that we generally are true for all of us, and then though you, you know the specifics for each one of us and the things we struggle with. But the one thing I know is true for all of us is you have a plan for us, and it's a plan not to harm us, but to prosper us to build in us Christ-like character so that one day you will say, you were faithful in a few things, I'll make you ruler over many things. 
We can base our hope in a resurrected Lord, Jesus Christ. So just in the quietness of this moment, I'm not going to prolong this by any means. I'm not going to try to pull at your heartstrings. I just want to ask you to pray as we kick off this new year, 2021, on this first Sunday morning of the year. Will you pray a prayer with me? I've been praying it all weekend as I traveled to Virginia to do that funeral and back. And this morning as I prepared to share these thoughts with you, I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer for the year ahead. Lord, make me a person of hope. Uppercase hope. Confident hope. Hope in you. With the foundation of the word of God. Thank you for the privilege. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that before in your life. If this is your first time to say, I want my hope based in Jesus, then just whisper, thank you, Jesus, for loving me even while I was ignoring you. Thank you for the fresh start this prayer represents. Forgive me for all of the failures of my life, the sins. Give me a fresh start today. Make me a person of hope. And for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for weeks, months, years, decades, Lord, make me a person of hope in Jesus Christ the foundation of the Word of God. In Jesus' name.